0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic
1: Hello, I'm David Mooney and I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. And you're listening to Why Always Us, a Manchester City podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription, and you'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from all the very best football writers around, and you'll get ad-free versions of all the podcasts as well. So just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to take advantage of the 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. And while you're there, if you're enjoying the show, then please Please do leave us a review as well, um, Sam. Let's let's dive in because again, uh, a weekend without uh, football for City's men's team. Um we're going to take a bit of a whistle stop tour around a range of topics. I think uh, this week. <laughs> yeah, um, why not? Yeah, it's uh, the first thing that I've uh, that I kind of wanted to put to you is uh, around around the quadruple talk because it always gets to this stage of the season every year where City are in all competitions and the talk starts to become, oh, are they going to win all four competitions? And history yeah. tells us that they're not because it's never yeah, been yeah. done before. Um, the Premier League picture is—it's it, pretty much there. By my count, the earliest that City can win the league is the seventeenth of April. It needs a lot of factors to go in the, in their favour, obviously. City need to win their two upcoming games it needs United to lose the next three Leicester to lose their next two one of which is against City so that, that could happen that way um, and Chelsea to drop points in any one of their next two games so it's like it's nearly there but it's not quite there um, and I, you know, I'm not really sure why I worked that out and it's probably the maths <laughs> is probably wrong as well anyway but uh, but anyway, anyway Premier League nearly there FA Cup not a simple thing from here on in uh, Chelsea is, is not an easy tie the way they've been playing lately and then it's probably going to be Leicester in the final and it, that's not again they're not a side that, uh, that you should take lightly uh, the League Cup is very tight Spurs were comprehensively beaten at the Etihad earlier in the season but City you know, didn't lay a glove on them when they went there in, in November um, and then the Champions League is this holy grail the one where City have, uh, have yet to kind of uh, they still have the, the furthest to go they're yet to win it uh, the hardest teams to beat in there they've not got the experience of having been there and done it on that front and um, so i think the the question that a lot of fans kind of uh, kind of ask around this is it, it's almost it almost feels like the the quadruple talk is there to move the goalposts you know what i mean so when so when city don't achieve it all and city don't go on to win it all it, it's kind of framed as a disappointment um but it can't I really be it don't can't, get that. yeah
2: i don't think that's the case like well i mean i would i would like anyone listening and this isn't like me being a dick and challenging people to prove me wrong I'm interested, like, if people genuinely have, like, seen articles or tweets where they think that's the case, like, do send them to me, and I will kind of, I'll, I'll then decide personally if I'm, I was right or wrong. I don't think that's the case. Like, to go back to my, uh, not famous phrase, but the phrase I use quite often in an article, uh, sorry, in the in podcast the the week about whether the city get enough credit, it might just be some dickhead on Twitter doing it. Like, but I don't think if people are talking about the quadruple, it's to, it's to build city up and then knock them down. I, I really, I don't get that at all. I don't, I don't think that. I, I think the thing is the, the quadruple chat doesn't annoy me. What annoys me is the people who say we can't talk about it, oh. and it's people who say, oh, can we talk about it yet? The Q word. Like I could almost hear Ian Dark's voice <laughs> saying the Q word.
1: I thought and I'm I, not going to lie. I, I just, thought that was Yoda. I thought that was the impression you were going for then.
2: <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not much of an impressionist to be honest. Apart from <laughs> impersonation of a journalism career, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I, I like we can sit here and talk about the ins and outs of it all day. My only issue is there's not much point to talk about it now because it's it is premature. Yeah. So like we can we can talk about it. It's fine. Like like your your summary at the start. There's no point in me giving my thoughts on it again because that's absolutely bang on. Um, Personally, I, I think the Champions League is the bridge too far. Still, but um, City might be better this season. But that's a debate. You know, when City play Dortmund in a couple of weeks, God, is it going to be the next podcast? Yeah, next next Monday. Yeah. Well, we'll go into that then. We'll go into it then if they're ready to do it. And if they were to get to the semis in the final, then we can have the conversation again. And I'm more than willing to be wrong because I think they're good enough to do it. I'm just not sure they're capable of it. So, yeah, it it, it is premature. But no, I think when people do talk about it I don't think it's because they're trying to
1: build, build them up to knock them down yeah no
2: I don't think it is that I, I genuinely think it's just the way the football's mad in this like, the way we talk about football definitely in this country I not know about other countries Um but it, it goes back years like if there's a close title race and the team that's, that's top of the table wins their game obviously all the pressure's on them going into it and then they win it and then everyone talks and this is media you know Sky BT whoever and then obviously newspapers and, and fans or whatever all the talk is, oh yeah, well, you know, that's a big step towards now, they're fine or whatever. And then the the challenger wins like the next day and all of a sudden the pressure's back on the first team and it's like, (laughs) nothing's actually changed. It's just because you were, you got so carried away after a win. And it's it's just a bit like that with City. And like, I'm not saying carried away for no reason, of course, because City have won 24 games out of 25. But I think if you were to look at this in the kind of natural psychology way, if you were to ask, City fans and fans in general, I don't know, once a month, if City are capable of winning the Champions League, if they were to ask them for March, the day after City lost against United, the results would just be lower. Yeah. Because after a defeat like that, it's like, oh, right, yeah. You, you just remember the flaws a bit easier. And after the wins, you, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking it's always going to be like that. But then that's the, that's the thing about the... That is like the issue with the quadruple chat. I don't mind doing it now, but ultimately it's pointless because we can talk right now when everything's looking good for City but honestly this players game could go mad again like they have done recently yeah um I think the FA well, Cup should be fine if City turn up, and the Premier League should be fine. But the Champions League is obviously the big one. So
1: the, this is this is uh, words from uh, Ali Fogg on Twitter uh, speaking Good recently. Yeah, he it's said he, uh, he said recently that like that City might be favourites in each one of these competitions, but like you, you go to the horses and you put uh, an accumulator on of, of four races with four favourites, yeah, yeah, and yeah. one of them falls, and then suddenly your accumulator doesn't come in. It's it's exactly the same principle. Yeah. And it yeah, uh, yeah it just it just made it sense, sense in my yeah. head that way round yeah.
2: And I, I tweeted something about this kind of thing after the, oh God knows what game it was, Fulham-Everton, probably Everton. Uh, and someone was like, I'm not talking about the quadruple until all three domestic trophies are in the bag and then City are in the Champions League final or something. I, personally, I, it, it's, it makes more sense to talk about it once the Premier League's done. Um, well, and then what? The, and then probably the, the semi-finals for the, F, for the Champions League and maybe the final for the FA Cup. Like, that's when you can really start thinking, is it, like, this could actually happen. Yeah, it's at, at the moment, it's kind of, yeah, exactly. At the moment, it's kind of, I don't know, if you had a kind of scale of one to ten, what, what is it now? Like, it's still like a six, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's so so many games to go and, and in. Like, it, it might only be two or three decisive games, but that's how the Champions League works, isn't it? So
1: Yeah, that's... Uh, well, we'll, so we'll see. We'll get into that no, next know, week, I, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, exactly. The Champions League, it, It's some exciting stuff to come. They're going to be some great games. Like, the Champions League knockout stages, don't don't fail to, there'll be some, there'll be some great games however far City go, but yeah, I'll, I'll be interested if, if people have actually got like examples of people building City up to win four trophies because last time when City were going for four trophies two seasons ago when they didn't get it, the talk wasn't about oh well they didn't win the Champions League, it's nothing. Obviously people would say Uh, the way to discredit City that year was, you know, human rights and whatever else got put up. Um, It it wasn't, oh, well, they're no good because they didn't win the Champions League, was it? Like, I don't don't think that's the case. I I understand why City fans don't want to talk about it because it's being seen, you know, City fans don't want other fans to say, oh, you lot were getting carried away because, like, genuinely, I haven't seen any fans actually getting carried away about it. But that's kind of turned into, we must never talk about it. So, whatever, it is what
1: it is. Um, The next topic I kind of want to dive into because I was fascinated by your uh, assessment of uh, in one of your columns this week about uh, what is the perfect kind of City Guardiola goal. Um, because when you when you put the question out on Twitter, uh, my mind immediately went to that Leroy Sarno one at Arsenal, uh, yeah. as did pretty much everybody else's alongside yeah. the uh, Ilkay Gundogan one in the derby. I think they were both 2018, weren't they? One's back end of 17, 18. Yes, of yeah. 2018. Uh, 18, 19. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I remember you actually making a big thing about that whole goal when it happened, uh, yeah. where, against, where every play, where every player touched it, including the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, so what like what are the parameters for hmm. a perfect Guardiola goal?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that when everybody replied to my tweet last week with the Sane and Gundogan goals, I thought great i'll just do one of them because then i then thought well if i get to the at uh, the end of the article and it's that it's like, what well, everyone's expecting it anyway um but genuinely part of it when i went into it was actually like what is the kind of goal like the archetypal city goal and that's kind of a a slight difference between like, people who have read the article will will get it anyway but it's the slight difference between a Guardiola goal, which I would probably, I would probably say personally, it's the Gundogan one against United. It's the passing against a low block, and it's the build, uh, working the team around the pitch and building it up, and switching sides, and then just striking and it coming out of nowhere. That I would say is a is a Guardiola I, goal. Uh, I
1: I I I like it, but I like I, I, the one thing that I really like about the Sane one is it, it, it's the pressure they're under in their own yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I get it. Just yeah
2: like we're talking it's like it's like if we're talking city 2018 or 2017-18, 2017-18, or, or City 2018-2019. Tw- you know, they're both amazing teams. How could you possibly pick? But if you're going to have the chat, then, you know, you're going to end up coming up with some controversial statements that sound harsh just because you <laughs> you're picking, like Sané against Bernardo Silva or whatever. So yeah. it, it's a bit like that. They're obviously two great examples. I, I Personally, I think the Gundogan one is a bit more of a Guardiola version. But then the kind of thing I was then trying to look for was a Guardiola City goal. So it's, it's like if you'd heard that City had gone 1-0 up and you weren't watching the game, like, just for starters, surely you'd imagine it would be inside the box. Like, yeah, just yeah. just like your mind's eye. Obviously, from then, it could go many different ways, but I just feel like De Bruyne just had to be involved just because of the amount of assists he gets get. It just feels like if we're boiling it down to, like, the pure parts that you need, it needs to be De Bruyne. And then I ended up just getting to cut to the chase on this. Like, it just feels like it needs to be Sterling on the end of it.
1: It's weird, isn't it? Because Aguero is obviously the leading scorer under Guardiola, but yeah. it always feels but it feels like the classic City goal under under Guardiola is that tap in at the back post by Sterling.
2: Yeah, exactly, and and also like the point I made, which is maybe neither here nor there, but Aguero was always the top scorer under like Mancini and Pellegrini as well. So like it's it's not especially special that Aguero is like and the Guardiola scorer. It feels like. All of Sterling's goals feel like it's because he's such a good part of this system and this team and he knows where to be. So I feel like that was that was part of it as well. And the other element of it is it's normally if a, if uh, Sterling gets these tappings at the far post, it's normally Aguero who's just missed out because he's made the same run. Yeah. So that, that's part of it as well. And look, there's, definite, there's definitely different types of City goals. If you're talking about a Sterling goal, it could be cutting in from the left onto his right foot and putting it in the opposite corner. It could it could even be, you know, Mares doing it, especially if you're talking about now, because he's doing it quite a bit recently. It could be Mares cutting in from the right and scoring on his left. The other one obviously is that trademark goal from the left hand side where they work a triangle and cut it back. Um I, I don't know, I just I just felt just it well, in the article it was a, a poll, I I think. That's how we did it in the end. So people could kind of um Go along with my stupid parameters, even though everyone reading the article was probably thinking, "What are you talking about, mate? It's it's definitely Gundogan slash Sane." Yeah, um, um, the, 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 yeah the, I just I just thought it had to be a De Bruyne. Like it was a long way of saying it's a De Bruyne across and Sterling scoring, and then I, I found one which also included Fernandinho winning the ball back. To well, pitch.
1: I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say this. Like, do, does there not need to be an element of um, City win the ball back with the high press? And does Laporte not need to switch the ball from you know left centre back to right wing at some point?
2: Yeah. Well, that was that. If so, the goal I put forward for that, and it wasn't because I, I don't think, I don't think. I mean, it's possible, but I don't think you're gonna get Fernandinho winning the ball back and. Laporte switching the play. It just feels like that's two different moves. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find one where that happened. Um, but the one that um, sprung to mind immediately, and I think it's the first example I put in the article, was the goal against Brighton in the FA Cup semi-final in the domestic trouble year. When Laporte, I think Otamendi got it back and then gave it to Laporte and he just carried it forward. He, he switched it to the right. Bernardo just laid it off with the inside of his left foot and De Bruyne crossed it to the back post and Jesus headed it in. Now that had been Sterling then that might have been
0: the that one. That might have
2: been the one. Yeah. yeah. Like Jesus is up there in terms of scoring the archetypal city goal in terms of converting the crosses, but it, not quite as as common as as Sterling, I would say. Yeah. And Aguero. So yeah, so obviously there are different parts of it. And I was hoping because I watched all of the goals, which sounds like fun. But
1: how how long did that take?
2: Well I had to do it over because we've got Wisecout where we can go on and look at various different things. But we've got one account for the whole company. So people are booking it to do their articles (laughs) on like Norwich or West Brom or whatever. So like I had, I think I had like an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon on Monday and maybe an hour and a bit on Tuesday. But obviously all the while I was thinking this article isn't going to work because everyone's expecting it to be Sane or Gundogan. Like, What am I actually going to say? And I was desperately hoping to actually find a goal that went along with what I was thinking. Yeah, um, and you've you got like there 700 to wade through that. Yeah, exactly. And then it was like, well, this is a penalty or this is a corner, so just skip that. But then all the other ones. But And I I saw so many goals that were like genuine works of art as well. I was like, that's such a good goal. I was, like, It doesn't actually count because of these stupid criteria I've come up with, but they were so good. And like a big part of what stood out was just the part that Sane played in so many of them. Like, he was just so good. And they were so good as a team with him in. But obviously, they've been so good as a team without him as well. And what you don't see when you look at all the goals is the, the problems with... Well, you know, the inverted comma problems with Sane and why why he ultimately left. But, yeah, just watching some of the goals he did play a part in, just incredible, really. But, um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was trying to find... All those different ingredients, really. Um, I just, just to I, kind of come up with something because I was genuinely interested as well. I thought the thought came into mind a couple of weeks ago. I thought, what would be the kind of the most pep goal they've scored? Uh, and then, yeah, I kind of had a bit of a journey to, to come up with a few.
1: When you were talking about Sarno that night, it was like uh, when a picture of you and your ex pops up in uh, Facebook memories. Do <laughs>
2: yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, like um,
1: oh yeah, God, yeah, I remember that. They were good times.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder Yeah, I wonder how they're getting on now, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah but and you don't... You, know, you go not, to YouTube you, and watch their highlights.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you, don't, no, you ignore don't. all the bad stuff, yeah. Um, just, yeah, quick, yeah, yeah exactly. just quickly on that as well, uh, they've never scored a goal... Um, Where every outfield player has touched it and it's gone in without somebody breaking that chain, because uh, both the goalkeepers uh, got got a touch against uh, Aguero against Hull and Sane against West Brom, the keeper got a touch in each one of them.
2: I'd forgotten about the Sane against West Brom one. I googled my article about the Hull one because the one against Hull, because it was at the time I was reading a book about Guardiola and how he'd said, like he told, like um, you know, some former well, former Argentine coaches and. And players and stuff. When he was, he was only like twenty three. Guardiola about his perfect idea of a goal, and I was like, "Did everyone touch it then?" I swear they did. So I wrote an article when I was a goal about it, and I, and I googled that, and actually my article about the one at West Brom came up. I completely forgotten about that, and like even from the, in fact, that wasn't even on the, the, that wasn't even on Wisecat for whatever reason. That game wasn't on there, so I had to watch it all on somewhere else.
1: What annoyed me most about that one is that City kicked off. And uh, the only touch between City scoring and uh, between kickoff and City scoring by a West Brom player was the goalkeeper. And that, that was know, like, the, if that had gone in. That's
2: really annoying.
1: West Brom's first touch in that game is when they're a goal down. And that. Yeah,
2: and it would have been after three minutes by the time yeah. it happened again. Because it was, what, two two minutes 27 seconds or 47 yeah. seconds or something? Like, City just. And like, not just did every player touch the ball, they all touched it at least twice. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, Gundogan just hit it. Not at Foster. It was a decent, it was a decent save. It wasn't a great save. And then Sainese called the rebound. And that was... Like, I think if Foster hadn't have touched it, I'd have probably... Because it was mainly forgotten about, and I don't think from what I saw... I did have a lot of replies on Twitter. But from what I saw, I don't think anybody mentioned that one. There was another nice West Brom one in there. Um, but I think if Foster hadn't have touched it, I think I'd have just made it that. Because that's incredible. Yeah. Like to keep the ball for two minutes thirty, like that's that's just next level. But yeah, like if we're being silly and saying it's got to be perfection, then just ah. Oh. Like to be fair, the the whole one it only it barely touches Jakubovic's studs, but the Foster one is a proper save. Isn't it? it's yeah, he's, he's,
1: minute, yeah, it got it was either full hand or two hands on it. It wasn't, to, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah but show. again, like you 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 splitting hairs between like amazing goals here kind of things. So. Yeah.
1: I just I'm interested in uh the build up to those goals as well Sam because uh, I want to play you this from from Guardiola after the game against Fulham it's his answer to your question oh, uh you asked him because about it, uh, it was it was the week where you couldn't get your question out because the audio was terrible um oh, yeah. so uh, don't worry I've cut all that out we got rid of that uh, that nonsense um but you asked him uh if if essentially he was asking his team not to counterattack because they they don't seem to be able to do it very well anymore yeah um
0: this is what he said when we can run, we have to run. But uh, when we cannot run, we have to keep the ball. So in football, it's not just counter-attack or just keep the ball. So the actions allowed you to do what you have to do in every moment. And as a team, you have to know what you have to do. For example, the last three games, we conceded a goal. So the last one disallowed it. with throwing out our own throwing in our own ATR box. And, um, and today, we were much better. We didn't concede these actions. So in football... The right thing is take the right decisions. It depends on the football or the game for itself dictate what you have to do. So
1: obviously that was um, Guardiola speaking after the game with Fulham. Uh, there's been yeah. plenty of uh, games and, and goals that City have scored since, um, and I, you got me thinking because I used to call City uh, kind of in a weird way a counter-attacking possession team. Uh, and what yeah, I meant yeah, was yeah. that so it would dominate the ball, they'd knock it around, and there would be like nowhere to go. The opposition would be sat deep, but they'd encourage opposition players to just slip out of position and just just kind of drag a, a, a themselves over to one side of the pitch a little bit. And suddenly they'd switch it, force an overload, and then you've got a four on three or a three on two situation. And it's like a mini counter attack from one wing yeah, or yeah, yeah, a, like yeah. a mini counter attack through the middle or something. Um, but you're doing that without having had to defend the opposition's attack first. Um, and the more I thought about it the more I'm thinking that doesn't really happen anymore
2: no it doesn't um, that's something I noticed and it might be you know I'll probably write something about the counter-attack stuff between now and the end of the season um, but when I again when I was watching all those goals there was a very clear shift like they used to score a lot of them like whether it would be a transition they'd win the ball high up the pitch and one or two passes in their in. or like you say there'd be an overload yet yeah, like now it's just a different type of goal that kind of those kind of incisive moves don't happen quite so much. Um, the interesting thing, listening back to Guardiola's answer there, was, because obviously he linked it back to, you know, giving giving goals away from throw-ins and stuff and making the right decisions. And I, I don't want to kind of turn this into, you know, because Guardiola, obviously, he was like, yeah, It's not it's not as simple as that. And the overall tone was, no, that's not the case. But what made me ask it was, in that game, it was when City were like 3-0 up, and Torres got the ball, I think it was switched to him, because it was a fantastic touch on his chest. He just killed it dead. And he got it down onto his right foot, and it was just like so much space to run into. He's a, That's what his game is all about, you know, getting at his man. Like, he's got quick feet, and he can burst past the player, but he's got pace as well. He could have got past him in any manner of ways. And he just cut back inside and kept it simple. And I'm thinking, they must have been told, because, look, it's not every time, you know... that. There will be chances where surely you just, you just go into the space, but I thought that just it just felt so striking to me that he refused to to make that attack. And then when Guardiola said there, you know, it's about making the right decisions. And in recent games, we've given away goals from you know throw-ins and making the wrong decisions. You know, maybe they were trying to force it too much. Maybe that maybe there is then that element of Guardiola saying, or maybe he didn't explicitly say, "Look, lads." don't counter-attack because it's going to fuck us. Maybe he was saying, maybe he'd been making the point all week, you know, because I, I did that um, article on opposition that analysis. But obviously, you can analyse your own performances and probably what they said in the meetings would have been like, we've got to make the right decisions. You can't be trying to force it here. You know what he was saying about the start of the season? We were trying to attack too quickly and we were rushing things and putting the ball in the box too quickly. Maybe it was that and maybe he'd spent so much of the previous week or, or more talking about not trying to force things and you've got to make the right decisions, maybe that had got into Torres's head and he just felt, if I run here and um and lose the ball, then we're going to be going back the other way and Guardiola's not going to be happy. So maybe it was more of an unconscious thing than a, a specific, explicit Guardiola saying, don't do it. Yeah. And look, There might be another part of it where Torres is maybe thinking, well, I mean, maybe it's the same thing where Torres is thinking, well, I don't want to do this and lose it. Um, and Guardiola would be annoyed. And maybe part of that then is him just not feeling that confident because he hasn't played too much football and not being in a rhythm. Because maybe if, you know, if this was this time next season and he'd been having a much better second season, which I think probably everybody's expecting of him to be better in his second season than the first, you know, that's not controversial. Maybe he'd have had a bit more confidence to go and do it. So, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to go and write an article and say this is definitely it. But I... I do wonder if there's an element there of Guardiola stressing how much they should be careful with the ball because obviously he does it anyway. But after those last couple of weeks when obviously conceding the goals against United in the way they did and what was, the other one with it? was it Southampton and was it West Ham as well? I think they conceded a goal from a throw against West Ham. Yeah. Um so he would probably made the case that much that week maybe they were thinking we need to be careful here. But um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's something in it. I'm sure there are times when they could counter. And maybe this is just the Pep way now. And, you know, he said in January when he was explaining, he said, we're not a team to play on the 40 metres, 50 metres. We can't play up and down. He was like, when we had Sane, yes. He was like, maybe De Bruyne and maybe Sterling. But no, we have to play passes. And maybe that's part of the whole reboot midway through the season. You know, when when he talked about the reasons for the change and not liking the performances from the start of the season, maybe that's part of it. And maybe what's kind of been drilled into them again Is you know Guardiola stressing that this is how we play, and we don't want you to do what you were doing at the start of the season, and maybe that's made the players think, I'm not I'm not running with it here and losing it. I'm going to give it play, and yeah, we'll do what Guardiola says. If we do what he says, then he can't be pissed off at this kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and that as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I I'm sure you know it might not be an explicit thing where he says don't counter attack, but it might be a bit more of a well, if you're in these situations, you've got to pass it, and maybe that just it then becomes a kind of unconscious decision, maybe. It's interesting anyway, because there is definitely less of that. There's definitely less of City core in a, a fast break like that. I'm, I'm sure of it.
1: Yeah, I'm also wondering if there's uh, the, the kind of element of... Um it, it, it's kind of like tit for tat sort of thing, where you know City had this way of playing in in Guardiola's early days at City, and the opposition were were really susceptible to it. And then they changed how they defend against yes, it, yes, yes. and City have to change how they attack against it because yeah, otherwise yeah, yeah, yeah. it just doesn't work. And like I, because I, I, I'm sitting there thinking, the one thing that Guardiola has faced a lot more in the last few seasons, he's always faced teams that sit deep and try and um, and, and just try and kill the game and keep them out. And he's it, like that that counter attacking style used to work quite well against them at times. But now, like they're in that position where they, they come up against a low block and they, they, they sometimes have no answers until very, very late in the game and they really really have to work those openings through you know basically keeping the ball for, for so long and, and making the opposition tired. Are the yeah, are, are, are are answers, opponents it, yeah are, are the opponents harder to draw out a position or is it a case of like you said it's the, the evolution, the fact that they've lost Leroy Sane?
2: I mean yeah, if we think about um, the trademark goal, on the left-hand side, um, I think I put one. Well, well, one good example of that from twenty, probably eighteen, nineteen. One of those games when Aguero got you know back-to-back hat-tricks against Chelsea and Arsenal. It was the one against Arsenal, and it was um, just before half-time. But what worked so well against it, and it just looked like, if you watch it in hindsight now, a couple of years later, we know what City do. You just think, lads as in lads being Arsenal, what are you doing? Because as soon as, I think it was, I think it was just Sterling passed it back towards Gundogan, the whole Arsenal defence stepped up. And like, that's fine. Because that's why it was so devastatingly kind of, well, just devastating for City. Because they know football teams are taught when the opposition pass it back, that's your opportunity to squeeze out as a team. You you push up the pitch. Um, you get a couple of yards and, yeah, you're further away from your own goal and you keep the pressure on. That's just how it works. Um, and that's why City did it. They exploited that because they knew that whenever City passed it sideways or backwards, teams would push up. And if the player who then passed the ball sprinted in behind, then they'd be in. And this Arsenal one was brilliant because they all just pushed up and, and Sterling just ran in behind. Uh, Gundogan flicked a beautiful pass over the top. Uh, Sterling got on the end of it, passed it across, and obviously Aguero would run in behind as well because that, that's what they've been taught to do. And And he scored the goal and City did that so often then. But I think, when I was looking at City's problems last season,
1: Teams uh, don't push and you out at the
2: difference is why. Yeah, they don't push out because they know what's going to happen. And if you look, there's so often, and this is why I think like, like Mourinho's Spurs have had a bit of joy because they've got good players like on the counter attack doing it as well. But like, Palace have had joy there because it's not just, you know, four at the back and then midfielders and they push up. They don't push up, but also they might be playing five at the back and then, like, a midfielder. I, I, I always remember, because I used the examples from Scout Kriate, it was over there. So, like, when we were looking last season at why City don't score the trademark goal anymore, why Sterling's not having as much joy over there, like, those runs, you know, he'd try and run in behind, but they wouldn't be stepping out. And also, like, Coriati would be back there, like filling in that space between the full-back and the centre-back. And they've already got three centre-backs anyway. So yeah, teams would wise up to it and they would just know that that's what City do. And it maybe took a couple of years for teams to wise up to it. But they did. And they, yeah, they basically stopped pushing up automatically. And they 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 made, they made kept men in those spaces to block the passes or the runs or both. So that's where that kind of dried up. So that to bring it back to your point at the start, they scored different types of goals because they've got different challenges. So yeah, that's that's absolutely a part of it. And obviously with that, if you've got a team that's going to play that defensively, then chances are they're not going to give you much space to run into anyway. But then you've got the other part of it where you said, is that just because they haven't got Sane anymore? And part of it is, yes, they haven't got Sane anymore. And one of the other things I noticed about those goals was it was often Aguero finishing it. And obviously back then as well, Sterling was probably in better... I don't know if you could call it form, but I would definitely say, and this might be wrong, and you know, there's the lads who think about stats 100% and just don't believe confidence is, or like mindset is a part of football, and, which I disagree with fully. But I just think Sterling over the last 18 months has got into his head with one on ones. Like, so even if City do get those examples to break and they get into the box, they're just going to mess it up. I'm so I'm sure they they haven't got as many opportunities to do it, but also the players they have got obviously with Aguero not playing too much and Sterling is one one finishing struggling. Jesus exactly the same as Sterling as far as I'm concerned, and obviously no Sane. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's 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 two parts of that. Like the the example is not so much a quick exchange of passing, but if you think back to that Chelsea game at the start of January, when City was it the third goal where it came back off the post and and De Bruyne buried it. But Sterling was through on goal when he was still inside his own half, and so you've obviously got four or five seconds, which is obviously a lifetime in football, to to like play that out in your head. And I I am convinced nobody on earth thought he's scoring this goal. <laughs> Certainly not fans. And that, that that I think that just sums it up. Like maybe you know I don't know if it had been Sane or Aguero or maybe we're romanticising or or whatever. But I I just think. That's that sums it up. Like if Sterling is going through on goal a, a large amount of the time he's not scoring if it's a one on one. And that yeah, that that's part. And that might sound harsh on Sterling. Like I've been thinking about Sterling recently. And this is a bit of a tangent, but you know, we're doing a different topics. And there's been a bit of like just a bit of chat and this is just Twitter. This is just people here and there saying, Oh, what about this? And you know, with his contract or whatever and people wondering if they could sell him and cash in on him and you know, if it helps get Harland and it helps get Messi and whatever. And people are saying, you know, I've never really rated Sterling or whatever. Um, I I think it can easily switch and we'll get back to that level of the end of 18-19 and the start of last season where we're talking about him being one of the best players in Europe. I still yeah. think that's definitely on the cards. I haven't really got much more of a point to make to this other than football's funny how things change. Because um, he's obviously gone one way. He's obviously changed from... It's not been a huge dip, but he's gone below those standards. Uh, and I just easily think he, he could get back to those. Um, yeah. So um, it's just it's just a quick general point, bit of a tangent. He's not playing particularly well at the moment. And obviously we've covered in a, in a roundabout way the row he had about, with Guardiola about not being in the team, which, you know, is an interesting one in terms of how's that going to affect his contract and blah, blah, blah. I I, I don't know. Like I, I couldn't tell you it was going to be fine, but I couldn't tell it was going to be a problem. I just don't know. But... Um, there's obviously been a bit of an issue in terms of on the on the pitch performances and you know a, a bit of a problem with Guardiola's well him having a problem with Guardiola's selection, but um, I I think it'll easily switch back and you know if City play well next season I, I think Sterling will have a, a big part of that I, I I'm I'm nowhere near the stage of thinking cashing on him, yeah. um, although God I mean if if he wasn't going to sign a contract and they don't and they want to avoid a signing situation and somebody were to offer 80 90 million this summer then crack on but i don't think that's going to happen and that's that's a fairly big set of ifs as well isn't it
1: The final uh, thing for this week's show, Sam, I wanted to touch on, was okay. uh, obviously it's uh, Leicester next for uh, City in the Premier League. Um, that reverse fixture, yeah, the, the, yeah. the 5-2 at the Etihad, that second game of the season, an absolute defending disaster class. Penalties galore. Uh, really, I mean, even to the point of uncharacteristic Guardiola actions and, and substitutions so early in the game.
2: Yeah, um, that was really mad.
1: It, it really feels mad. so long ago, though, now.
2: Oh, yeah, because... because um, there's that element of games that would have happened only a month ago feel like three months because City have literally played double the amount of games in that time. Um, yeah, it feels like it's another world away because even this year, you know, City, they've only lost that one game. That's the only time they've dropped points or, you know, not won a, a, a tie in the whole calendar year and we're now, based, well, we'll be in April by the time the... They, they play again. ...the Leicester game is, um, which is incredible. And then, because, and that's the part of the mad thing about City's season because obviously it turned around in December after the United game, after the West Brom game. And like Guardiola's even mentioned, that Southampton game was an important one to win. But they're all in December. But like, the defensive improvement did happen much much earlier, didn't it? Like The defensive improvement and City's kind of turning the corner didn't go hand in hand, did they? Like City did improve defensively pretty much straight after that Leicester game but it was obviously easy for us to think well these issues from last season really haven't been fixed like they've got worse if anything the way the Leicester scored those goals they were awful awful goals to concede um so that it feels even longer ago because City did actually start defending much better straight away so yeah it, obviously the concept of time is very strange in these COVID times the concept of time is even stranger when City have played literally every three days for four months um but also they actually did improve defensively and you know they were they were they were solid enough weren't they the reason they are so far ahead in the in the table now is because even when they weren't playing well they you know they didn't play particularly well against fulham you know they beat burnley five nil it was fine. they were they were getting those wins they beat sheffield united one nil they weren't playing well but they won you know they got the three points um And even when they weren't playing particularly well, like that West Ham game was bad, but it was one all draw. They got a point for it, so it was kind of like that. They they did improve. Same with Leeds; it was a point in that game. So they did improve after that Leicester game, and it feels so long ago. But that's kind of this Leicester game is going to be very interesting, and I wouldn't necessarily say holds a key, but like to go back to the FA Cup chat at the start about how it's going to be difficult, you know, by playing Chelsea. It's 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 a Chelsea team City haven't played this season because they're, they've got a different manager and they're playing better football. And also there's the fact that, obviously, City have lost two semi-cup, uh, two FA Cup semis at Wembley, which is, I don't know, it, just, it, it sounds strange. You think that all the trophies they have won under Guardiola, to think that they've lost two semis at Wembley, but they, they were both in kind of City's down seasons. Because yeah. obviously, they've had four full Guardiola seasons, and two of them have been phenomenal, and two of them have been a bit below standard. Um, to, to different extents, obviously, first season and then last season. Um, and I, I don't expect City to lose the semi-final, even though it's against a different Chelsea team, and it's a and it's a semi-final which they have obviously lost. And it's a bit like that against Leicester. Like it's tempting to say, "Oh well, we'll see now how far they've got," because Leicester obviously co- caused them so much damage, but we know how far they've come, don't we? Like, it will be a very interesting game. It will be very difficult. And I don't know, maybe City won't win it. And maybe they won't win it. And to tie in another of my points from the start, if they don't beat Leicester, then going into Dortmund, people are going to start worrying about the Champions League again, aren't they? Well, um, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, but they've come it, so far.
1: Yeah, It's it's the fact that the run now is, is Leicester, Dortmund, Leeds, Dortmund, Chelsea.
2: Yeah, incredible. Incredible.
1: That's, that's not... A, so I,
2: good. Yeah. But so good. Like... Obviously, there have been games and everyone's enjoyed this this calendar year everyone's everyone's loved you know city oh, i'm talking about city fans obviously not neutrals, but everyone's loved city uh winning like, winning all the games but like you know the there's been some games where you've watched it and fine. And obviously there's a lot of people who go to the games quite often and they appreciate it's not quite the same. And like, you know, the Fulham game wasn't great to watch and the Everton game wasn't great to watch, was it? But like now it's, you don't want to miss any of these games. And like when Guardiola was talking after the Everton game, he was like, he was laughing. He was like, Leeds are the absolute worst team you could wish to face between two uh, Champions League kind of FA uh, quarterfinals. Or I'm sure he would mean semifinals as well. Because obviously he can play a bit of a weakened team but he just knows that everyone who's gonna to have to play is just gonna to have to be 100 percent on it it's yeah. gonna to have to they can't cut any corners in that game because they, it's just gonna be so demanding and they're gonna to want to rest and recuperate and he can't change the whole 11 can he so like if he plays Rodri and Diaz and who, who else is likely to play in both games if it's not no, like, he's not gonna rest De Bruyne and Gundogan surely so it's gonna be one of those and then Bernardo and Possibly Sterling, Foden, whoever, like whoever, like the four or five players that are still going to play in that game, they're going to have to give everything. So, yeah, it's it's very difficult, but um, it's absolutely fascinating. And like, to go back to your kind of the earliest they can win the league scenario, they won't be trying to win it by April the seventeenth and you know, hope United lose three games or whatever. But they're going to want to get it wrapped up as soon as possible, and it's just going to be absolutely fascinating. It's like. The last three months are going to be condensed into this month in terms of <laughs> how, well, how well they've managed these games. And, you know, when he got to Everton away in the league and he brought in Laporte and he brought in Walker and they didn't look quite the same, which for me was because they didn't have Gundogan, but they didn't look quite the same as they did in recent weeks. But I tried to make a point in an article that week about bringing in Laporte in, that he's going to need these guys. And what happens if he doesn't play them in the next few weeks, and then all of a sudden somebody gets injured and he needs to say to Laporte, okay, I need you now. Or he says to Walker, okay, I know I've not paid you for the last two months, but I need you now. That's the the kind of genius. If If you scratch beneath the surface of City not getting the credit because, oh, it's money or whatever, which there's definitely a lot of, then you'll see it's stuff like this management and the way that Guardiola was bringing in Walker, he was bringing in Laporte, he's been rotating people throughout. Because of stuff like this, he is 100% going to need all of those guys just this month alone. He's going to need to make five or six changes, six or seven changes, game to game. And he's going to not need there to be a drop-off whatsoever. So that West Ham game when he, he brought in loads of people who weren't fit and he left out loads of first-team players who then got a rest, and a bit like that Fulham game where he did similar, that you know that could be so invaluable this month, you know, you can't put a price on that. It's going to be... They're, just, they're going to need that so much. But obviously, the thing about the Champions League is, like, you can give blood, sweat and tears to get through a quarterfinal, and then you've got to go and play Bayern Munich yeah. or PSG. <laughs> it's going to be such... It's going to be a great end to the season. If City get past Dortmund, and they get the title sewn up by beating Leicester and beating Leeds, and they get to the FA Cup final, it's going to be so good, because if you think this, this month coming in April is going to be, like, the first three months condensed, then May is just going to be just the same again. It's going Insane. to be it's, it's There's so much to look forward to. It's going to be great.
1: Yeah. Let's say, uh, just looking at that Leicester game, obviously, Sam, um, yeah. th- things have changed a little bit for Leicester as well. They've suffered injuries and and whatnot since the since the last time these two sides met. Um, how do you feel City are better at coping with teams that are looking to get in behind? Because the, the, the big problem with, with that Leicester game was Vardy kept getting in behind and brought down. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, God, how well this is it. This is part of it. Like
1: I have a little inclination.
2: Are they defending a bit deeper? Um, I could. I'd be able to find out. There's a few stats about. It literally just shows you how high the defensive line is. Are they defending a bit deeper?
1: It just feels like for, from the naked eye I watching it. It just feels like there isn't as much room to get in behind. I don't know if that's because they're defending that space better or if they've dropped maybe yeah, a yard I mean, or so.
2: Two. It probably, in the sense of they're not pressing so high, but they're stopping teams from getting out. So when they've pressed in a front four city or, you know, obviously it might be like two leading it. It might be, I've got De Bruyne and Bernardo in my head. Maybe that was the last Gladbach game kind of leading it. But sometimes they sit off and they just string four across, which is what Arsenal did to them. I think if I'm remembering rightly and they just, they make it so difficult for teams to play through them that way. But obviously if you're sitting off a bit, then the line can be a bit deeper. So, yeah, possibly. And that kind of goes hand in hand with um, what I was saying about how the defensive improvement didn't overlap neatly with the improvement in form. And it's like when we got to December, probably January time, and it was all the clean sheets, and Guardiola, and we, people were asking Guardiola questions, probably myself included, about, you know, oh, you've stopped the counterattack. But he was kind of like, we stopped the counterattack ages ago. Like, genuinely, probably after that Leicester game. Yeah,
1: and, Leeds and to we just a, kind of didn't there notice. Was, there,
2: was a, there was a period of that Leeds game. Yeah, but because we were kind of focused on other problems that they definitely did have, in terms of they weren't creating that many chances, they weren't scoring that many chances, they were still giving up chances. You know, obviously, that West Ham game, where they were doing all right, and then they just lost that goal really easily to Antonio. I think he actually outmuscled Diaz. Probably one of the the bits of defending Diaz has done where you where you'd be disappointed with over a whole season, which shows how good he's been. Like there were just so many other issues to think about, but it was it was kind of easy to slip under the radar that they had sorted out the counter attacks. But I mean, in in terms of how they've done it, um, they, they've. I think the thing is, the way I've kind of stuttered there is because I'm sure we've talked about this already, and I'm just trying to remember, like. I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but also I'm sure I have said it, but I don't want to say it again. Um, I'm sure I've written articles about it. I I definitely did when we talked about, um, the defensive improvement. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of a way to be succinct now for the end of a podcast. And in a way that isn't just what we just said about them stopping teams, playing through them a bit. But, um, Part of it last season was just they were losing the ball in stupid areas. It's like those both Wolves goals at the Etihad. They lost the ball about 20 yards out and everyone was high up the pitch. Everyone was really high up. So a a big part of it now will be the three defenders spread out across the pitch. So, you know, we've talked about how the back four goes to a back three. And, you know, it's normally normally Laporte or, or Zinchenko. As the left-sided one, so obviously they they keep that left-footedness in the team, and then Diaz will be in the middle, and Stones will be on the right, and then Cancelo will have gone into midfield. But um, when Cancelo's up there, you know it'll be someone else will be alongside Rodri. Just kind, of, but somebody's going to be ro- minding the shop in something like a double pivot. Yeah. But they found a way to have that double pivot while they've still got people in attack, sustaining the attack. So whereas it was a double pivot with Gundogan sitting back there. And it was him and Rodri just putting passes side to side. And it was just basically De Bruyne trying to create something. And it was just the front three in static positions. Now, you know, he's found a way to keep that solidity. So even if they do lose the ball, they've got Rodri who's better protected. He's got help alongside him. And he's got help behind him as well. You know, you've got defenders all the way across the pitch. And then I suppose you've got the form issue of those defenders are playing well. You know, if the, if they do have to defend, they'll just do it. As, yeah. as 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 we've seen, we don't even need to dwell on this. You know, if we think about the the goal, well, not so much goal saving tackles, but just good tackles and good blocks, and you know, Diaz and Stones, you know, bump fists or whatever afterwards. And obviously, Laporte did it, didn't he, when he made that tackle against Fulham? Um, he made the good tackle and kind of bumped his fist, and this kind of like, is he is he trying to buy into this kind of collective <laughs> defending, which he's not really done before? Which again, it it, it goes to show the way that um, if you get dropped and you don't react well which is the case with Laporte you'll be given opportunities to get back in and you need to kind it's of shape certain. up or ship out and he, yeah. and he's kind of shaping up and, and I do wonder if he's thinking I need to do what I need to do a bit more of what Stones and, and Diaz do and you know when, when we cover for each other we need to celebrate with each other and be part of a team and I think that part of his kind of I don't want to say loner attitude but he's kind of you know a, a kind of solemn kind of quiet guy and there's always been talk about that's that's why he's not been in the front squad he's not you know a big kind of guy in the dressing room but bit introverted a big, you know a huge colleague kind of thing yeah exactly so like, you know maybe he's trying to come out of his shell a bit to to give a bit more of what stones and Diaz are, are giving so yeah there's 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 that's it's it's the, the two kind of the two things go hand in hand it's a bit like what we were saying about the counter attacks they haven't got the players for it for the counter attacks and also they they haven't so much got the opportunities in and in it's a similar way with city now, being better defending counter attacks, they've not got so many opportunities to have to do it because they're in a better shape uh, higher up. You know, they might not be pressing as intently, but they're stopping teams playing through them a bit. And they're, and you know, the counter press is maybe better again in terms of just the pure energy. Yeah. Um, but then, if if teams do exploit them and get back there, then, like I said, they've got that three man defense, which is very solid. And they've got Rodri who's looking better. And they've got somebody alongside Rodri generally to help out. Um, and they're just much more adept at winning the ball back because of organisation and individual form. So I'd say that's that's how they've done it. That's why.
1: Yeah. Uh, they'll get well up to 5-0 by Leicester now. And we'll spend next week going, what on earth is Haaland going to do to this side?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like that, That's why it, it is tempting to say, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how much they've improved. Like, Of, of course we won't. But it will, there will be that interesting element to the game of Leicester is still a very good team. You know, they're probably, even though they've had those injuries, they're probably as good now, if not better than they were at the start of the season. Um, Tielemans is capable of finding those passes. So it's going to be a very difficult game. Um, but um, yeah, and then to bring us full circle, if they win, then we'll be talking about, oh yeah, they'll, they'll beat Dortmund easily. And if they lose, then we'll go into the Dortmund game thinking, God, this is going to be, really problematic so yeah quadruples it'll be a really good game to go to
0: it
1: starts here the quadruple push sam there we go
2: Uh, uh, (laughs) well in many ways it does because we'll find out this month i mean look we might find out in may but (laughs) i i I don't know i i feel like i feel like we'll get a lot of answers this month in terms of in terms of results not so much performances because we we know because it's not about whether this it's not about whether this team is good enough to do it i don't think and I, this is the distinction I'm thinking with the Champions League, but probably overall, because the City, I would say, are good enough to win it. But are they capable of winning it? Like, will they? They can, but will they? Will Will they mess it up with bad finishing and making a mistake or missing an open goal? Or you know, will there be a stupid VAR decision that costs them? Um, or will they just go and do what they're capable of doing with you know with the squad in the situation that Guardiola's got them in, where they can all keep chopping and changing and still play well so this is what I mean really they're good enough to do it we don't need we don't need proof of that we're just going to see in poor simple terms of results will they get the results they need so yeah Yeah. it's it's fascinating it's a it's a it's going to be such a great end to the season well potentially a great end to the season it's going to be very exciting
1: well, uh, that brings us to an end for this week's Wirewizzles. Uh, next week, we are going to talk about the Champions League and those Dortmund ties. So if you've got anything to ask me or Sam, uh, do get in touch on Twitter. Uh, you can DM us or you can send us a message, we'll, uh, and I'll stick it in the notes for uh, for next week's show. Uh, but for now, that's it for this week. Uh, I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for £3.99 a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD.
0: The Athletic.